0: Hi, everyone. My name is Ada. I am a Compulsible Reader, and I'm really happy to be here tonight. I started attending the the 100-pounder meeting uh, about 10 years ago when I was going through a very difficult time in my life. My husband was very ill, and I couldn't attend face-to-face meetings, so I found phone meetings. And uh, the 100-pounder meeting was a very important part of my life during that time. So, uh, I want to thank this meeting. So, I have been an abstaining member of OVD for 48 years. And I do realize that there were probably several people on this line who weren't born when I came into OA. And uh, um, but here I am. I'm 77. I came in when I was 29. And, and uh, I never had a vision of myself living past 30. And interestingly enough, I have uh, known several people in this program who came in at age 29. There was, uh, there's, must be something magical about that, that um, age. I've been abstaining from the beginning. Um, relapse is not part of my story, and for that I will be forever thankful. I uh, <coughs> called Overeaters Anonymous on April 16, 1975. And I started abstaining on April 17th, 1975. And I attended my first meeting that Sunday, April 20th. I, uh, But I do not call myself struck abstinent uh, because I paid for my abstinence. I paid for it with many years of suffering. Obviously, since I'm speaking at this meeting, I am a hundred pounder. Uh, I spent a good part of my... Um, life morbidly obese uh, my top weight was 240 when i was like 19. Uh, when i graduated from high school i weighed uh, about 190 pounds and by my halfway through my sophomore year of college i was up to 240. i came into Overeaters Anonymous at 225 after um, a weight gain of 75 pounds <clears throat> and uh, I've been thin for 47 years. I have no weight to lose. I have no weight to lose. And uh, I uh, I believe that's, that's very important for me to say. Um, my first sponsor told me that I not only had to abstain from compulsive overeating, but I had to give up the fat on my body because I was addicted to both. And uh, I did. I lost 80 pounds my first eight months, and um, <clears throat> under doctor's orders, I added food to my uh, food plan, and uh, after, it took me 14 months to lose 100 pounds, and I've lost more weight since then. We'll get to that later. I, uh, My abstinence lives within me, uh, and no person, place, or thing can take it from me. It belongs to me as you know as long as i as the book says, as long as i'm in fit spiritual condition, but i I have lived through obviously in forty eight years I've lived through a lot of stuff, and a lot of stuff continues to happen. Um, my five brothers and sisters died, my mother died, <clears throat> my husband died. Uh, and before my and of course getting married was no small thing, uh, for, and living with somebody for for the first time in my adult life, uh, I went. i just had huge, huge changes in my life, and um, and I was able to abstain all through it all. And why? Well, because I had hit bottom. I was ready to give up the food when I walked into the doors of in August, And that is the only explanation I have, is that I hit bottom, and I very simply could not live as I was living before. And my meeting that I attended didn't talk much about food, so I didn't know uh, how other people ate. So I, uh, and I didn't get a sponsor for my first five months in the program. And uh, so I uh, designed a, a food plan that I could live with for the rest of my life. And, you know, I find it very interesting that, you know, in our step in the OA 12 and 12 second edition, a great part of step three deals with food and with abstinence. And that's because, in my belief, uh we come into this program believing or having food as our higher power. Uh, my definition of a higher power is what you turn to when you're in trouble and uh it was clear to me that I turn to food, and from what I've heard you know from other people over the years is that they turn to food, and we have to be convinced that food is not a benevolent higher power and that we have to have one that is. And so I'm not surprised at all that uh, step three talks a lot about food. So, I I sort of wanna talk about the tools that I use to abstain And in that, I'll weave some of my story in also. Obviously, I have a plan of eating. And it says on page 20 in our book, a plan of eating helps us each day to get and remain abstinent. Food plans may change over time as our circumstances change or as we discover new or different foods or behaviors uh, from which we must abstain. And that is certainly true of me. I've had to uh, change my food plan. When I started out, I started weighing and measuring, uh, not because anybody told me to, because I, you know, I said I didn't have a sponsor and I didn't make any phone calls during those months either. I was attending one meeting a week and pretty much, you know, doing doing it on my own. But I hit upon a food plan where I weighed and measured because I knew. There was a relationship between what was going into my mouth and what was going on to my body. And then I started counting calories. And uh, I would go to meetings, and in the format they would say, this is not a diet or calories club. And I would go, yeah, but it's working for me. And so I just continued to do it, and I just didn't tell people what I was doing. Uh, And so that's still what I do today. 48 years down the road because it has worked all this time. But my, uh, uh, food plan has had to be flexible because my life has changed so much. You know, I got thin, I had to figure out a way to maintain without, you know, getting thinner and which meant I've had to increase my food a couple of times, um, during this period. And, uh, it's really interesting uh to have to uh, to add food. in fact, uh, it's kind of scary sometimes, you know, and I've heard I've heard people say this and and that's my experience, you know and uh, but uh, I had to add food in order to maintain a healthy weight. I've had to change my food plan because when my husband was sick, uh, I reacted to his illness by uh, an increase in blood sugar and i was uh, diagnosed as pre-diabetic and so i started eating like a like a diabetic and uh, luckily because i had i knew how to write my food down and how to track my food from my previous experience in this program overnight i made that change and uh, my a1c has been uh, normal ever since and uh, Uh, that pre-diabetes business was uh, as a result of the stress of watching my husband die. And uh, I, you know, I have no fear that I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to become a diabetic now. But I continue to watch it. Just like I don't, I'm not afraid that I'll binge again. I know that's almost a heresy to say out loud, but it's the truth. I'm not afraid I'm going to binge again but I'm going to watch my food. I'm going to take care of my food. And one of the ways I take care of my food is um, an action plan. I do meal prep like crazy, and I take food with me. Now, um, my most recent change of food has uh, happened about a couple years ago when I was diagnosed. After all these years, of abstaining and exercising every day and not smoking, et cetera, et cetera, I was uh, diagnosed with severe heart failure. And it meant making a major dietary change, which was to um, uh, limit my sodium. And the ripple effect of that was amazing. And one of the effects of that has been that I've had to take my food uh, with me, like to Thanksgiving, because I cannot. Well, let me backtrack. Um, I have other medical conditions, and all my medical conditions combined to make my food plan such that I don't expect anybody to, else to try to meet it. You know, and and cook a full Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner for everybody else. You know, no, I'm responsible for my food, and the people that I spend Thanksgiving with are used to seeing me pack my food in. And um, it works beautifully. They love their food, and I truly love my food. Um, I tell people, you know, I have a party in my mouth three times a day, and that's that's it. You know, uh, I enjoy my food. I don't eat just for nutrition. I eat food that I like. And uh, like it says in the OA 12 and 12, we uh Uh, You know, as we abstain, we learn to like what's good for us. And that is what has happened to me. I like what is good for me. Oh, and by the way, um, my heart failure is no longer severe. Uh, It's now mild. And I've gone from my cardiologist saying that I was going to live for six months to two years to to him saying that um I could live for a really long time like this and uh and it, and I believe it's because of the discipline that I developed in overeaters anonymous I kept exercising I kept eating right even with a death death sentence hanging over my head I kept doing the things that I knew that worked for me and I cut the sodium like he like he said and uh and here I am. So uh do I am I free of the obsession all the time? No, I'm not, and it says in the OA twelve and twelve on page uh twenty one. Do we ever achieve a permanent freedom from food obsession? Yes and no. OA long timers do have this miraculous freedom most days, but occasionally for some the obsession returns. How do we get through these times without returning to compulsive eating? We don't panic. Instead, we quietly reaffirm our personal guidelines and ask our higher power to help us continue living with them, within them. Then we turn away from food and eating to focus our attention on our OA fellowship and the 12 steps. And the fellowship has played a huge part in my program, obviously. It's where I learned to do the steps. You know, I didn't take the book home and read it and master the art of inventory by need. I learned to do it from other people. And I um, service has been a huge part of that. I've made many of my friends through giving service over the years. And uh, many of the service uh, positions I... Uh, field had abstinence requirements, and you know I'm a very prideful person. It's one of it's an example of how my character defects sometimes still work for me. That the thought of having to step down from a service position because I was no longer abstinent is just something I I just couldn't uh, I couldn't do. I couldn't comprehend ever doing. Um, Sponsorship, I sponsor uh, several women and uh, I am really blessed with the women that I sponsor. Um, Many of them have been abstaining for decades and uh, and are just vibrant, high-attuning, fabulous women. And when I have needed them they have stepped forward and helped me when I was sick a couple of years ago. Uh, I really had to be taken care of in many respects, and the people in this program stepped up and did it for me. They did for me what I could not do for myself, and uh, they are they are just just remarkable, remarkable women. And. As a sponsor, I have to walk my talk. I can't just you know say stuff and then not live it and okay one of the one of the highest compliments i've ever been paid by was by uh was by a woman that I sponsored for thirty years before she died last summer, and she once told me she said that I had never told her what to do. I showed her what to do. And that's my job as a sponsor, is to show people what to do, not tell them what to do. And I don't care how my my sponsees eat, whatever they eat, if it works for them, if it's helping them to either maintain or move towards a normal weight, uh, it's it's fine with me. Now, uh, Uh, anonymity oh yes anonymity gives me um, a degree of uh, humility Um, we are the disease is the great leveler the disease makes us all equal now can I do some things better than other people in the program oh yes can other people do things better than me oh yes but when it when it comes to the disease, we are, we are all powerless and we all have feet of clay. And I have to remember that. Uh, I, am, I, uh, I know people, I have met people who have put me on a pedestal and I refuse to climb up there because as I heard said once, there's more room in a prison cell than on a pedestal. If I'm going to be free, I have to be free of standing on a pedestal it's and also, I'm up there by myself, and uh the reason I didn't abstain before I got to o a was because I was trying to do it by myself and and the the book says that uh you know we've failed before because possibly because we were not meant to face the disease in isolation. And thankfully, when we get into program, we're no no longer facing the disease in isolation. So I know that I did not do this alone. I only have a a couple minutes. And what I really want to share is something my... My sponsee who died uh, last last August told me, the day before she died, we were voice texting back and forth. She, she was living in a different state, and I did get to see her about six weeks before she died, but then we were voice texting, and we had attended a meeting together for a few years, um, and it was online, and... Um, And I asked her if she had anything to say to the group. And she said, she said to tell them to radically, ridiculously love yourself. That's it, everything else will take care of itself. And that pretty much sums up you know, what I believe. Uh, you know, I've had I have had to learn to love myself in this program, and the greatest way that I show my self love is to abstain from compulsive overeating. Bottom line, and when I do that, then I can love other people. It has to start with me. I cannot help other people abstain, which is our primary purpose, uh, tradition five, unless I'm doing it myself. And so that's what I wish for you, is that you radically, ridiculously love yourself. Everything else will take care of itself. And with that, I pass. My phone number is area code 310 347 1505, thank you.